Then verse 10, it says, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor. And so in our loving without strings, we now come to verse 11. Verse 11 says, do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord. Now, verse 11 says that love is not lazy and love is not cold. The idea of being slothful means that we're lazy, we're slow, we're procrastinating. We are not on fire. We're apathetic, indifferent. Fervent in spirit means that we're boiling over. The fire for God is hot. The fire is stoked. And so the idea here is that as we live for the Lord, we literally boil over with zeal. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit as you serve the Lord. Now, as the Holy Spirit goes to work in us, we're able to represent him well. Now, I love getting up high. I love seeing the roads looking real small down. I like to see how everything fits together. Uh, the times I've been able to be on a real tall building or a tall part of a mountain or something, you're able to look down and, and you're able to see how the roads connect. You're able to see where people live. Sometimes, depending on the, you know, your visibility and things, of course, you can see where that little town is. You can see that little town is. I like when we take off an airplane. I always like to look down and see. And, well, you know, there's the ballpark and, and there's the interstates. And that's how that works together. And, and I enjoy that. And I always think that this is what the Lord sees. He's here with us. He's above us. He's up high. He sees everything. Now, as you and I learn to be obedient, we learn to hear his voice and do the things that we're to do, then the Lord, I think, delights in seeing his orchestration unfold and take place. And by his grand design, he has chosen that you and I have free will and you and I individually, we follow him. We listen to him, we obey him, we follow the teachings of the scripture, and, and we adjust our lives to what he wants for us. And so he looks down and he sees his children operating within his design. Now, these different teachings, these 12 teachings here in Romans chapter 12, 9 through 21, is how our life is to look to him. As we love, as we love authentically, we abhor what's evil, we cling to what is good. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. We love each other with brotherly affection. And, and we show a, a tremendous amount of love and support for others who've been born again. And that's our primary focus. We love each other. And as we love each other, the world can see a clear representation of the Lord or the Father. Jesus said that we would be known by our love. And so as we apply these different aspects to love, then God's orchestration in this world is clearly seen by those who don't yet believe. And it's a beautiful thing. So... 
it's very important that we're not slothful in zeal. As we follow him, as we live for him, our love is not to be complacent. We don't sit still on our love. We are not to be couch potatoes when it comes to love. We are to be fervent in spirit. We are to be boiling over with love. When we see a need, we don't sit still. When we see a hurt, we don't sit still and just let that hurt take place. We're involved. We're active. We're representing him, and he's orchestrated on that. As, as we love him with all of our heart and love our neighbor as ourself, we literally boil over, fervent in spirit. Now, as we do that, the Lord goes to work. You remember, we can be known for a lot of things. We can be known for a theology or two. We can be known as a people that believe this or that or the other. We can be known as uh, people with buildings and budgets and programs and things like that. But the greatest thing that we can be known for is that we love. We love. And how do we love? We love actively, not passively. We're not slow in our love. We love, we're not slothful in zeal. We love with a fervent of spirit. We, we love with all of our heart. We love outside of ourselves. We love beyond ourselves. And, and we love with a great intensity. We burn for him. We boil over for him, and, and we just can't sit and not love. We must respond. We must adapt, and, and we, we do this to serve the Lord. Now, Jesus very clearly said he would rather us be cold or hot. To the church of Laodicea, that's what he said. He does not sit well when it comes to his people being lukewarm. We are not to just sit in the pew. We are not to be complacent. We are not just to go to church and do the church thing and that's it. We're to boil over and every single day, every single hour of every single day, we are to serve him with all of our heart and that looks like love boiling over. Now, as I Submit to the Lord and follow the Spirit. Love will build and will literally overflow in my life. When you listen to him, obey him, and, and learn to live by the Spirit as well, love will grow and will boil over in your life. And you won't be able to hold on to it. You will turn loose and turn loose and turn loose and God will be glorified, and he will be seen. All right, the next verse. So let love be genuine, verse 9. Abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal, but fervent in spirit serve the Lord. Now, verse 12. 
Verse 12 says that we are to get tougher in faith. Now, I, I think that is an accurate description of us here in America, Christian people in America. As you think about different Christian peoples around the world, there's no question that where people live where there's persecution, where people live where they are definitely the minority, when people live where the Bible Belt mentality is not around, there just is a stronger, deeper, tougher Christian witness, a Christian life. And one of the reasons is because they are in such a situation that they literally grow. They have to grow or nothing takes place. Now, there's never a time here where we live that you're somewhere at school, at work, where you're not going to at least be surrounded by a few that believe. Now, you still may be the minority, and it still may not be popular where you work or where you live or where you go, but basically all of us all the time can find someone that will hear, that will understand, that can encourage and be a supporter. But where that doesn't take place, where they're all alone, it grows strong, strong believers. Now, one of the things that God wants to use in our life is that our perseverance, our not quitting, our remaining faithful to the Lord, God uses that to bring about a clear, vibrant, strong witness that He is. When everything is good, people see that everything is good. But when everything is bad, when the circumstances are dire, it doesn't look good. It doesn't look like that person has light at the end of the tunnel, yet still worships, still loves God, still serves Him with a fervent spirit, and still loves like God wants us to love, then that witness is really, really bright. It's very clear. And people all around say there's not a good explanation why that person is able to have such joy and life and energy and hope because of their situation. Then, then something has got to be coming from the outside. And of course, we recognize that something is the Lord. And so we need it stronger. Regardless of what kind of situation you find yourself in, if you are going to be obedient to the Lord and if you are going to love without strings, one of the aspects of that love is living faith regardless of what's going on. And in verse 12, it tells us how we do that. First of all, we rejoice in hope. Now, Philippians 4 says, rejoice always. Again, I say rejoice. Rejoicing is a choice that we make. All of us have access to that choice. All of us have access to God. We have access to his power. Ephesians says that we have access to the same power that rose Jesus from the grave. And so when believers rejoice in hope, what we're actually doing is we're choosing to let God be God in our life. We call it surrender. We call it submission. We call it getting out of the way. We call it turning from our selfish ways, taking up our cross and follow him. We call it discipleship. We, we call it just, just, you know, being abandoned to ourselves and living for the Lord, living by the spirit, perhaps is a way to look at it. 
but we choose to rejoice. And so love looks like that. Love looks like that to God. Love is active in people's lives when they choose every single day, in every single moment, in every single happening to rejoice in hope. Rejoice. Things are not going well. I choose to rejoice. This is the Lord's day, and I'm going to live this day as if it's the Lord's day. He's the owner of my problems. He's the owner of my trials. I choose to rejoice. It's a strong witness when God's people are rejoicing. We're rejoicing. It also says that we are to be patient in tribulation. Patient in tribulation. Hard to do, isn't it? Difficult to do. First of all, there's really a progression here. I think in this scripture here, it is almost impossible, I think, to be patient in tribulation if you're not rejoicing in hope. Rejoicing in hope makes patient and tribulation possible. I'm rejoicing in Christ. My hope is him. Christ is our hope. And so I choose to rejoice in him, and I'm going to be patient in this trial. I'm going to be patient in tribulation. I'm going to wait for the Lord to do what he wants to do. I'm just going to hold on. I'm going to hold on to the truth I have. There doesn't seem to be today any solution around the corner, yet I will wait in this tribulation on him, and I will wait with rejoicing because I'm rejoicing in the one who paid the price for my sin and rose from the grave, and I'm rejoicing in the power of the resurrection. And so... I'm going to rejoice in hope. I'm going to be patient in tribulation. And then he finishes up verse 12 by saying, be constant in prayer. Oh, yeah, you got to be praying. you got to be constant in prayer. This is the Lord's day. I'm going to speak to him today. I'm going to live by prayer today. I'm going to look at my circumstances through his eyes that's only going to happen as, as I pray and as I let that prayer feed my life. It's an amazing thing that prayer does for us. Prayer literally strengthens us. Now, if you're running dry, if you're running weak, if you're looking at your situation, you're going, I just don't think I can live another day like this. I just don't think I can hold on. Pray. Pray. Most likely, prayer is not happening because the strength is not being called for and it's not being received. So, think about what it would look like in our community. Think about the outcome if we believers loved genuinely. We weren't hypocritical about it. We really did love I mean, we loved authentically. We weren't fake. We really loved. Imagine what it would be in the community if, if we loved each other beyond ourselves. I mean, we just love each other. We abhor what's evil. We, we, we teach and we preach and we speak about the woes of world, this world and, and, and sin. We talk about the enemy and we talk about all those things, but we hold on to what's good. 
And love is just unleashed in the, in the congregation. I mean, we really do love each other with all of our heart. We're authentic about it. And then we love each other with brotherly affection. We, we treat each other as brothers and sisters. I, I watched my two grand, oldest grandkids this week. You know, I, I didn't realize how much they fight. <laughs> I really did. I haven't really seen much of that because it's such short visits throughout our life and stuff. But this week, I got to really watch it. And I noticed that, boy, those two oldest ones are at it. You know, they were making, uh, my uh, wife is on her way to see her mom. Uh, Colleen had a, a four bypass surgery today or a Friday and her baby's going to help her and stuff. Anyway, yesterday they were making cards for them to be able to take to Susan's mother. And the war was awesome. You know, who got that sparkle? Who got that sprinkle? Who got that star? Who got that sticker? Who got that color paper? Who did this? Who did that? And, and, and I just sat there and observed this real struggle. However, if, if, if I were to go over there and if I were to speak to one of them and say, you got to quit doing that, the other one would take up for it and say, I didn't understand what was going on and vice versa. And, and you could really see sister love happening. They take up for each other. They may argue with each other, but nobody else can argue with them because they'll take up for each other. And, and, and that's how we're to be. I mean, we are to be that way that, you know, uh, we may get into a squabble. We may get into a little di difficult tantrum here or something like that, but we're brothers and sisters. And we protect each other and we help each other. That's what it means to, to love each other, brother, brother love. We outdo each other in, in honor. Imagine what it's like if we're on fire for the Lord with love. If, if love is just pouring over from us. Imagine what it looks like from a high view. Imagine the impact it has. And consider that no matter what happens to people, no matter the trials you face, the hardships come along, your response is, you rejoice in hope. Jesus is on his throne. God Almighty is sovereign and in charge. I'm going to rejoice in hope. I'm going to be patient in tribulation. I'm going to wait on the Lord. I'm going to trust him. John 14 says, let not your heart be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. We're not going to let our heart be troubled. We're, we're, we're going to rejoice in hope, and we're going to be patient in tribulation. We're not going to quit. We're not going to abandon. We're, we're not going to say, God, where are you? Why haven't you been here for me? Why haven't you come through? We are going to worship him and rejoice in him. And, and even though at certain times it may seem that God is not at work, Maybe the answer is no. Maybe the answer is wait a while. Maybe the answer is not immediate yes to our prayer. But we're going to be patient in that tribulation. And we're going to constantly pray. And we're going to be strengthened by that prayer. Imagine the witness that would be in our community. It's better than anything that we can do with money. It's better than anything we can do with advertising. It's better than any program that we can do. It's better than anything that we can manufacture ourselves. It is supernatural living. And it's living a life that makes people go, hmm.
How does that work? What is that about? How can that be? I, I love hearing stories overcomers, and I heard one this past week. And the story is about a young girl who graduated valedictorian of her class, high school, and got a scholarship, a full ride to Stanford University in California. Now, that's probably not a big story. Probably not a big story. Because if you're the valedictorian in your, in your high school class and you want to go to Stanford, probably, probably you scored high enough you can get a full ride there or any school you want to go to. And Stanford is an elite school, right? But the other side of the story is her and her little sister and her mom have been homeless for three years. Homeless for three years. Matter of fact, they lived in a little uh, four-door uh, little Corolla, an older Corolla. And that's where they lived. And they interviewed this little girl, and they asked her, says, what kept you going? She said, I just never gave up. I just believed, I just knew that if I just did what I needed to do, that there would be a way out. Now, when God is our Father, there's always light around the corner, around the bend. Re regardless of what you're going through, regardless of how it looks, Step away from it a little bit. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. And be constant in prayer. And, and just watch what the Lord does with that. Just watch what the Lord does with that. It's kind of like a roller coaster, isn't it? Up, down, up, down. Now we look at the second, next verse in Romans 12. Or we're getting this scripture down. You probably are close to memorizing it now. We read through it here two or three times already this morning. Soaking in the word, letting the word penetrate us. And we know that love is to be genuine. Abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Now, this is one of the places where we can be competitive we're not to be competitive to, we're not to be competitive in our gifts. We're not to be competitive in being noticed. That's selfishness. We're not to be competitive in being more spiritual than anyone else. But we are to be competitive in outdoing one another and showing honor. When we show, when we show someone honor, we are paying more attention to them than ourselves. We're listening to them. We're allowing them to have a place. We're a place in front of us. And I spoke to you a couple of weeks ago. It's like the guy that, that always wants to take the worst seat in the car so the other brothers and sisters can have the better seat. That's what it means to show honor. Now, there really is a resistance in that, and you can see the struggle with that because there becomes a little struggle about who gets the worst seat. And there needs to be a struggle in the body of Christ to who gets the worst seat. Who gets stuck in, 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 the, in the back or you can't see, you can't hear as well. We're going to honor others. One of the things about worship is that we, we, uh, we allow other people to be blessed before ourselves. That's serving him. That's meeting needs. That's meeting needs. We outdo one another in showing honor. 
We do not be slothful in zeal, but we're fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. We rejoice in hope. We're patient in tribulation. We're constant in prayer. Now, verse 13. We contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. One of the real images of the early church was that all the needs were met. When there is a brother or sister that has a need, we are to meet that need. When there's a genuine need, we're to meet that need. We are not to sit around and allow people to not have needs met. Love doesn't do that. Love responds. That's to be what it's like in the community of believers. All needs are met. And the crazy thing about this, all the needs are met through the body. The Lord's always done that. It doesn't take long in this congregation, I've noticed the years, that when there is a real need, all we've got to do is post that need, and it is met very, very quickly, regardless of what the need is. That's a beautiful thing. That's a great image, a great picture of our Father. Our Father is the meter of needs. And so you and I are to contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. The word hospitality really talks about, the word, the word means showing love and affection to strangers. Now, the early church experienced this. They didn't have all the Holiday Inn Expresses and the Marriott's and the Double Trees and all those kind of provisions that we have now. And if when Paul traveled around, others traveled around, the apostles, the missionaries went from place to place, uh, it was up to the local churches to be hospitable and take the brothers and sisters in and to welcome them, to feed them, to care for them. And so it, the, the, the church grew because the people understood hospitality. It is interesting the different cultures, how they are hospitable. Uh, I think the Asian communities, they're, they're very hospitable. And it's a very humbling thing to know that many of the people are going without food and they feed us with all they have. I, I've been in some congregations where they bring you uh, lechi, they bring you uh, different kinds of fruit, they bring you, I've had mudfish and different things, and, and they literally sacrifice to be hospitable to you. And it's, it's a beautiful picture of love. And we're to be a hospitable people. We're to open our homes, we're to open our lives, we're to welcome. We're to welcome people in. There's a gift of hospitality. Some people have the gift but we're all to offer hospitality to other people. And the body of Christ, the witness is unbelievably strong when we are contributing to the needs of each other and we're seeking to show hospitality. Hospitality. What a beautiful picture it is. What a beautiful picture it would be if we just simply said... We're going to do this. We're going to lay this scripture over our lives. And this is how we are going to live. We are going to love with authenticity. <laughs> Genuine, real. We're going to abhor what is evil. We're going to hold fast to what is good. We're going to love each other with brotherly affection. 
We are going to treat each other as true brothers and sisters. Warts, spots, blemishes, and all. We're going to go through that, that valley of junk with people that we've talked about time and time again. We're going to cr- go through that valley with people, and we're going to go from having superficial relationships to close relations with people. We're going to deal with their weaknesses. We're going to deal with their issues. We're going to deal with their phobias. We're going to deal with all the rough edges people have. And they're going to deal with all of our rough edges. And and we are going to be close with each other because that's the way of the Lord. We live in a day that we are fast becoming a, a nation, a people, a society that we know more about people a long way from us, and we know less about people that are close to us. And that's because of social media. That's because of social media. And we see it all the time. A family goes out now, and they have dinner together, and they're all looking at their phone. They're not talking with each other. They're finding out Susie Q, how wonderful Susie Q's vacation was. They're finding out how yummy someone else's dinner was. They're finding out how awesome someone's vacation trip was. But they're not having conversation with each other. And, and I really believe it's a problem. I believe it's an ongoing problem. And I don't even think we've scratched the surface of that problem. I think that we will not know those people that are close to, to us. And we'll know all about people that live 100 miles from us. That ought not to be. It's really important that we are intentional about relationships, about people. It's very important that we not go home and isolate ourselves. It's very important that we open up our lives to people. I mean, you watch Fox News once, you've seen it all. You've seen it all. You've seen one, Everyone Loves Raymond rerun. You've seen it. You don't need to see it again. You've seen it. Get outside the doors. Have people over. Learn to love each other. It glorifies God. It glorifies God. Don't be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. So, a little homework for this week. Memorize Romans 12, 9 through 13 before next Sunday. I'm going to check you. Pray over this passage a verse at a time. Asking God to work these qualities in your life. Pick one or two areas in your life that, that you need to grow in. Now, as you think and as you pray, ask the Lord to, to bring specific people to your mind. He may bring people that are hard to love to your mind. Start loving them. Where, well, how do I begin? Begin somewhere. Begin somewhere. Maybe it's an invitation of coffee. Maybe it's a note of encouragement. Maybe it's a phone call. Begin somewhere. Pray for that individual. Talk to that individual. 
Get involved in that individual's life. The Lord gives you that person. He's going to lay it on your heart. You're not going to be able to get away from it. And ask the Lord to show you how to show authentic love to them. Now, this may sound crazy to you because this is not theologically correct, but this is how I understand it. It's almost like in the body of Christ these days that we've got God all bottled up. You can't bottle up God. I get that. But it's like we've got God all bottled up. And, and we're stuffing and the love grows and the love grows and, and we just keep it all bottled up in ourselves. And, and what God's people need to do is we need to break that bottle and we need to unleash it in this world to love people as we love ourselves. And that's loving God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. So memorize it, pray about it, let the Holy Spirit speak to you. And you may already be loving. You may have people that you're loving on a regular basis. Deepen that. Remember the story we told about East Stanley Jones. He was preached on love in a, in a meeting, and a preacher walked up to him and said, Man, there's a guy in our church that's just trying to, to, to just cause all kinds of trouble. What do I do? We're, we're not loving in our congregation. And East Stanley Jones said, increase the dosage. <laughs> increase the dosage of love. Let's love each other with all of our heart and see what the Lord does. Last week, we just dunked and dunked and dunked. That's because of love. That's because of love. Is God's people ready? Are we going to respond to what God's word says today? We're not going to come back next week, haven't loved? No. We're going to come back following through with what God said to us today. All right? We're going to go baptize in a moment, and then we'll come back and we're going to love on Jake and send him off. The Christian Kramer in Japan. Lord have mercy. Awesome. Ushers, come forward.